Season two, we're almost in the books. It's time to have some fun. Let's get drunk. Woo! Not towards cocaine bears. Right towards the Welcome to oh, Verse Course Verse. Oh, we are. I'm DL. Hi. Hi. Careful. <laughs> Evil's <laughs> old people. Them. Man, we are a mess. Yeah. With me is Sven, Beer Cooler Knutson. Sven, how are you? Seven nuts. Seven nuts. <laughs> Spend is seven nuts. I am. I'm doing great. I'm feeling a lot better than I was a like, few hours ago. Just in time to drink a bunch. Just in time to do it all over again. We're drinking champagne. Oh, geez. We're drinking some brute. We're feeling pretty good. Along with that, we also have evil, classy cocktail Jimmy. Ooh. Evil, how are you? I'm a mess right now, apparently. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I feel good. Do you feel injured? No. Oh, because you just did something to yourself. I just am disheveled. Yeah. yeah. You do kind of look... You look a bit of a mess. Yep. You look like a, you look like a big fucking worm on a tiny fucking hook. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. And we also have Rachel Malibu oh, in an Otter Pop polio. That was so bad. <laughs> Rachel, how are you? Good. Currently, what they are doing is they are. So at the end of this episode, we are going to name our five favorite albums of this year individually, not best favorite. And they're currently writing down two guesses for each person. Everything they get right, the other person has to drink. It's going to be Nothing fun. <laughs> Look at your notes. We've come to the end of season two. We've done it. We are at episode 101. There will also be a 102, 101.2, whatever you want to call it. We've come to the end. Rachel. David. How's it been this year? It's been a fucking nightmare. Expand on that. Just you. Expand further. <laughs> the way you treat us? I don't know. Hmm. It's been fun. It's been really fun. I feel like I'm growing as a person, and I like hanging out with you guys. Yay! You know, Oprah always says, we train people how to teach, pre how to what? treat us. One more time. Nah. <laughs> Fucking Oprah. I thought she uh, said, you get a car, and you get a <laughs> she car. She did say that, too. <laughs> Spend. What about you? Season two. What about season two? What did you think? Did you like it? Did you have fun? Did you hate it? <laughs> Do you still want to work here? Do I still want to? I feel like um, I was barely in season two. <laughs> I didn't see you guys very much. You had your moments. I had my moments. You did a lot of promos. I did a lot of promos. One might say you were part of every single promo. Uh, one might. <laughs> one, one, one would say that. No, it was good. As always, I enjoy interviews most right. i think the highlight out of all those all time so far is unfortunately it was like a half an interview for me because you got booted. i hate zoom <gasps> oh, and yeah. zoom kicked me out of the interview with annie clements she's but so pretty. holy cow she's an amazing musician amazing person the yeah. fact that she juggles her whole family all while being a touring musician on tour with her that was my highlight and uh it's a good highlight stoked for next year Mm -hmm. What about Mr. Evil? Approve. I would do it again. It's a great answer. Very concise. <laughs> I'm going for laconic. This oh. was way more intense than season one, but there were a lot more episodes in intense this one how? than there were in season one. You know what I had to do, and I'm sure some of you did too, is I had to invent ways to not get burnout. 
Mm-hmm. I had to find mm-hmm. ways to cleanse my palate and ways to yeah. my listening habits had to change. And well, in your defense, you were on every episode. That's yeah. true. I was I made it on every episode this yeah. year? So good job. Thanks. Uh, good luck trying to fire me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, had, you had the most homework. Uh, the raw unknown was gone. There's a lot more yeah. confidence in this year, but the excitement was still there. Except for the interviews. The interviews, there's always going to be a lot of nerves there. Good luck next year, you guys. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm totally going to say something stupid. Yeah. I'm just going to cry the whole time. <laughs> you might. I might. <laughs> Maybe Zoom will kick me off before I can embarrass myself. What Jeez. are we doing tonight? <laughs> are Music we doing? and alcohol. Yeah. We're doing the finale of season two. Try to take over the world. Yeah, you got it. One listener at a time. Reminder for our friends sitting in the room, as well as the audience listening, our year that we are finaleing is December 2021 through November of 2022. Okay, so so 2018 does not count. 2018 does not count. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, I gotta go change some answers. I gotta change some stuff. What are we drinking tonight? Champagne. Champagne. We've got some champagne. Champagne. We've got a little bit of Glen 18. Glen. Irish coffee. We've got an Irish coffee in us already. In us. We've got a little Irish in us, right? TW. We've got some Scotch ladies if we want them. We do. How do you Scotch what? lady? We all got so confused. How do you Scotch lady is what she's asked you. How Which, do you? Yeah. yeah. You make a drink called a Scotch lady and you drink it. Scotch, grenadine, simple syrup. It's Extra it's, lady. Yes. Oh, that's what you need at the syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of alcohol, we have a few drinking rules for the night. <gasps> Yay. We've got samesies. Mm-hmm. So if you have the same thing on any of the lists... You drink. Mm-hmm. We've got our two guesses game that we already explained. And I don't know if you guys forgot, because last night was a bit of a blur. Mm. We also... <laughs> Still is. What? Yeah. But we, we also do have night. the uh, waterfall rules from episode 100. This is yes. so ridiculous. Hey. By the power of Grayskull, I do have the power. <laughs> <laughs> Evil said Van Halen so much this year that we're letting him make other people drink whenever he wants. Go ahead. Drink. Right? Anyone, for me. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. I'll, I'll do it too. <laughs> a coffee so good. He's too nice. Let's do a super long toast. Oh let's, God. Let's thank some people, shall we? Sit back. Yep. Sit back and relax. First, all the musicians that reached out to have their music featured on the podcast. Thank you so much. If you're on Bandcamp, I bought your album. The features are really fun to do. The artists that I've gotten to know, that'll get you there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Keep reaching out. It's fun catching new tunes and hopefully we get you a couple downloads. Thank you to Angie and Carrie for doing some recordings at our year dissections. Both of them recorded a best album of that year for us. And thank you both also for just being awesome, Awesome. amazing listeners. We like you guys a little bit. A lot. A whole bunch. Thank you to M and George. Yay! songs for win thank you i got a chat from her tonight because i put some stories on instagram and she said that it made her really happy to see us doing it but em and george they were a blast they haven't posted anything since the queen passed away have you do you talk to george uh just about like oreos and things (laughs) well em and george we love you also uh, the dollar store in britain the pound shop Pound Town. Pound. So I have a story about that. <laughs> you have Pound a story Town? about Pound Town? So I Don't had, we all? <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, identity theft a few years ago. <gasps> the way I found it is my card was flagged for a purchase at the Pound Shop. <laughs> I'm like, 
Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it turned out it's like a it dollar just store in Britain. In Britain. Oh. Yep. Yeah, Pound Town, I sent it to George. And I was like, this is hilarious. And he's like, I don't get it. My goodness. And I was like, it's up to Pound Town, George. It's funny. Humors are slightly different across the pond. Uh, Danny Nono from Big Eleanor Records. Very fun to have him on to talk a little De La Soul. Mm-hmm. He had so much energy. Yeah. All of it. He was ready to go. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I was distracted. He has a couple really good artists under his label, Advocat. A-A-D-V-O-C-A-T and uh, Shaw Calhoun, who's very, very good hip hop, a lot, very De La Soli, really good shit. Check it out. Mark Kowal. Yay. Mark. Kevin McGuire. Yay. Mm-hmm. I was messaging with Mark earlier. Ooh. Were you? Yeah. Talking about the new Metallica single. Mark Kowal and Kevin McGuire came on to talk about the Grammys mm-hmm. with Rachel and I. That was a good uh, one. Do we like it? Do we hate it? Why do we like it? Why do we hate it? Why do you hate it? And why do I like it? It ended up being why everybody hates it is what it ended up being. <laughs> it I'm actually, there was a little it. more, there was a lot more, you know, what you don't think about or the hundreds and hundreds of people that are employed because of it. Yeah. So there's that. Tony came on to talk a little cheap trick. Cheap yes. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> Poor Tony. You're a good person. Look what you didn't you deserve did. that. Look what you did. Speaking of Tony, I got all of the guests in Carrie, Tony, Mark, Kowal, and Danny, no, no, have all done just a little 30 second, one minute, two minute recording of what their favorite album is of this year and why they picked it. Oh, right on. So right now, Tony's favorite album of the year, he did tell me what it is and I don't, I've never heard of it. It is Sticking With It by The Dip. Hmm. Have any of you heard it? Not no. yet, but I'm going to check it out. Right? Yeah. Nope. I had never heard of the band. I would never heard of the album. Tony, thank you. Mm-hmm. Now we have something else to listen to this year. Really appreciate One that. One more thing. One more. Yeah. So happy. Jennifer Batten. Yeah. She's a pretty good guitar a player. Boss. Yes. Holy yeah. shit. That was great. She was so fucking... For somebody with the resume she has to be as down to earth as she is, cool. it's very silly. Yeah. It's like talking to somebody in your family. It was like she can't. She totally just feels like someone you've known since you were a kid. Really weird to hear. It's just somebody casually. Yeah, I was just driving around with Jeff Beck. And right. Like, <laughs> driving yeah. around with Jeff Beck in his Batmobile. Just whatever. Uh, Annie Clements. Annie. Yay. I mean, she's been amazing. Yeah. She came on the show. She said some very. She got pretty personal talking about some of the difficulties of being a female on tour and and pregnancy and. Work-life balance and yeah, figuring. I mean, I have a whole because of Annie. I mean, I already enjoy Marin Morris's music, mm-hmm. but after listening to Annie talk about the working relationship, I have the hugest amount of respect mm-hmm. uh, for her as now not just as an artist, but like as an employer, as a right. just a human. And then last but definitely not least, Jonathan Bates mm-hmm. of yeah. Big Black Delta. I'm really, really proud of that interview. And not just because it's just a weird thing to talk to somebody that you've been such a big fan of. Like, he really is one of my favorite artists of the last 10 years. But I'm really, really proud of that conversation because I had a lot of independent artists reach out after that and talk about how much they appreciated John discussing the difficulties of the impossibility of being an independent artist right now. Mm, Just how fucking insanely impossible it is. And and not chasing, trying to get to a point as an independent artist or an independent podcast 
to stop chasing the likes, stop chasing the followers and just enjoy yeah. what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if it comes, right. it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Don't quit your day job in a good way is basically what he right. said. Right. right. Thank you to all of them. Sven, is there anybody that you want to thank? Well, I mean, all of our listeners, anyone that's Meh. listening right now. <laughs> 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 I love hearing what people love about our podcast. Shout out to my friend Naki because... There's times where, I don't know, she's a really good source of encouragement. Oh. Um, she listens, comes back, and she reminds me of stuff that we talk about, which is uh, absolutely cool. So thank you, Naki. Same question to you, Evil. I want to thank you three, number one, because you make this super enjoyable. Every, every yeah, time I log fun. on, I want to send... Yeah. And extra thanks out to our families that allow us to do this. I'm like overwhelmed by the support that we receive from everyone that having people behind you who support you doing the things you love, it makes it more worthwhile and it makes me want to do a better job mm -hmm. at this. All the listeners, obviously, my mindset has gone from this being about the four of us talking about music to the four of us engaging in a conversation with the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen without the listeners. So yeah, we absolutely have to extend a massive thanks. Rachel, those were my answers. Yeah, they're, they're good. Ditto. Jerks. I was going to thank your friend yeah. and our families. Listeners was my last one, but luckily you all stepped on that. So, but yeah, thank you. And thank you to you three. Thank you to Trevor, to Amanda, yeah. to Megan, to Amanda. I know firsthand, trust me, how much of a toll it can be, not only on you, but on your significant others, mm -hmm. um, and how annoying it can be to lose another fucking Friday night to a fucking podcast. I get it. So it's really, really awesome that not only do they let us do this, but they cook us breakfast. Oh, uh -huh. thanks, Amanda. <laughs> You're welcome. Little lady. So let's toast. Cheers. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We are back. We got to get the sad stuff over with. Sad stuff. Prominent deaths. Our heavy metal band. Uh, <laughs> we uh, picked a decent amount of people that passed away this year in the music industry that we wanted to talk about. Like I said last year, we didn't get to all of them. We're not going to get to all of them. But we did do some. And Sven, let's start with you. Who you got for us? On April 30th of this year, we lost Naomi Judd of the Judds. For those of you not familiar with the Judds, Winona and Naomi were the mother-daughter duo. Together they wrote 20 top 10 hits, yeah. 15 number ones, they won five Grammy awards. Ooh. Naomi won a country song of the year Grammy for Love Can Build a Bridge. Did you know they went undefeated for eight consecutive for years in all three major categories of the country, country music, music awards? awards? Yes. That's yeah, fucking nuts. That's, yeah, that's insane. Crazy. And I think this would be also a good time just to remind everyone how important it is to take care of your mental health. Yes. Naomi battled with PTSD, bipolar disorder, and depression. There's a few on the list this year that... Yeah. 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 It's tough stuff. Get help, folks. Don't just let that stuff go unchecked. Betty Davis. Yeah. February 9th, Betty Davis lost the battle with cancer. 
She was a singer-songwriter and model, and I think most known for her sexually-oriented lyrics and performing style. She also was Miles Davis's, I believe, second wife. Yep. She was a huge influence on him and introduced him to psychedelic rock and like a lot of the flamboyant fashion that he got known for. Mm-hmm. And so we lost Betty. Did you know that she's responsible for the album title Bitches Brew? Yeah. She told him to change it from Witches Brew to Bitches Brew. Nice. And then she left his ass for Eric Clapton. (laughs) Yeah, he's got slow hands. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Nice. And the, the last prominent death that I get to talk about. Again. Again. And it's a hard one. God, I just got done like processing this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Give no, me a second. Take your time. I'm to like go back through it again. March 25th, we lost Taylor Hawkins. Um, drummer for the Foo Fighters. I think one of the most bright, shining lights in the world of music. He had such a joyful, energetic personality that came through his drums. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand the physicality of the style which he played. Yeah. The, the demanding... And ultimately, I think that might have been the physical demands of touring and playing three-hour sets. This is just my thoughts. Um, He lived the rock star persona. That was also how he coped with a lot of the stress. I think he's been known in interviews and things, just talking about his stage fright and how much... Think about he's the drummer for the best drummer, one of the best drummers in rock and roll. Not only that, it was his best friend. Yeah. Not wanting to let down your best friend. He coped with it in... Not a healthy way. He was really hard on himself emotionally. Like, it's drugs. It's really fucking hard to stop doing drugs. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. It is. why people don't stop doing drugs. I'm not going to blame the the schedule. Ultimately, that's the part that hurts, I think. It was his choice to deal with things the way he did. Taylor Hawkins. His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> Bob had bitch tits. Lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Born September 27th, 1947. Passing away January 20th at the age of 74. Michael Lee Aday, who we know as the legend Meatloaf, passed away this year. No official cause of death, but it seems like it may have been COVID-related. Known musically for his Bad Out of Hell trilogy, Bad Out of Hell in 1977. Uh, I got to know him initially from the second one, Bad Out of Hell number two, back into hell in 1993 with the I Will Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. That was Objects in the rear view. Yeah, yeah. Released the third in the trilogy in 2006, Bad Out of Hell three, The Monster is Loose. What a larger than life character. Mm-hmm. Uh, incorporating the piano, his voice, also an accomplished actor. The famous line referencing his role in Fight Club. He was part of so Rocky good. Horror Picture Show. Yep. Worked on Broadway. One of those like iconic, legendary characters in the music industry. I love about him that he was constantly ragged on on reviews so badly. <laughs> and he never even... Didn't care. Didn't, didn't, never no. thought about changing didn't face what he did. No. He'll be, he'll be missed. Born November 25th, 1964. Passing away February 22nd, the age of 57. No official cause of death. One of the greatest voices to come out of the 90s and beyond, Mark Lanigan. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite singers of all time. Initially mm-hmm. kind of hitting in the peak of the grunge era with his band Screaming Trees with Sweet Oblivion. I believe you may have heard a song. Yeah. 
uh, to open this episode. Um, Damn Skippy. Oh my God. What a great track. So good. Uh, of all of the artists that came out of that era, he is the one who, he lived the rock and roll lifestyle more so than, if you read his memoir, it sounds more like a Motley Crue story than yeah. a grunge man story. Yeah. And he's on the Perry Farrell level of how the fuck did, are you living how, so long? How did he make it so yeah. long? I, yeah. Seriously. I really love his work with Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Rated R and Songs with the Deaf are two of my favorite albums ever. And his contributions to those albums are legendary. Yeah, man. You know, drug use, the guy just lived a hard life. He did get COVID. Yeah. You know what just dawned on me? Was that? You know why we have a shit ton of Irish listeners now? Lanigan. Because we did a fucking episode on it. He yeah. died in it. He, he lived and he, he moved to Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. He died in Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even. He wrote a book about being, yeah, he's, he's yeah. written, he's a fairly prolific author. Yeah. And you've read his memoir. Yep. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Anything you want to add from there? Because I mean. <sighs> it's, what I love about his memoir is it reads as a very, look at me, look how badass of a rock star I was and I fucked this chick and I did this drug and this and that. And then at the end, it's basically him saying, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I am such a fucking loser. You know, in the most down-to-earth, awesome way. I did an episode on him and that was my biggest takeaway was all of these artists, all of these people, brilliant Kurt Cobain's and Lane Staley's and Mm -hmm. Homey, they all gravitated to this guy yep. because he was yep. just so fucking real mm-hmm. and so raw and soulful and yeah. just exuded from him. Yep. And he was also a big badass too. So yeah, that'll be a voice that is missed for sure. And then, uh, I want to echo some of the things Sven was speaking about earlier. Born May 3rd, 1981 passed away May 11th at the age of 41 I don't know if there's been an official cause of death, but from reading forums and, and kind of being in the metal community, it looks like Trevor Stranod, the frontman for Black Dahlia Murder, most likely took his own life. There's a lot of darkness in the world, and I just want to encourage everybody, whether you are in that dark place, working through whatever demons that you have, or if you're not and you can reach out to help someone, yes, there are people out there message us if you want. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. These are hard things to talk about. And I think the more that we're able to address like mental health and the more that we're able to openly talk about the hard things that people experience in life, maybe it will be the nudge needed for someone who is in a dark place to reach out to somebody. There's someone there on the other side. Pay attention to your friends. Yes. Call your family. Call your friends. One of the more negative lasting effects from the COVID lockdowns was we got used to being by ourselves at home. And I want to encourage people to reconnect. I want to end on something, but before that, I want to reference a fourth one I want to add. One of my all-time favorite bands, Soilwork, lost one of their guitar players to suicide this year as well. And it was like within a couple of weeks of releasing a new album, David Anderson, September 14th, another victim, mental health. Like I said, I want to encourage everyone to reach out. And I want to end this on a slightly positive note. Black Dahlia Murder has decided to keep moving forward. One of their guitar players, Brian Eschbach, he's going to be stepping down from guitar and moving into taking over as lead vocalist. He says, I know Trevor would keep this band going if I went down a deep, dark path and weren't here. And so they have brought back one of their previous guitar players to fill in for him. Let's all try to be better people 
and better humans for those of us who are struggling. Well yeah. said. I will go next. Andy Fletcher is my number one. Fletch passed away on May 26th. A member of one of my favorite bands of all time, Depeche Mode, or as my mom calls them, Depeche Mode. Um, (laughs) He was actually much more of a mediator and manager of the quote-unquote talent of the band. He was one of those, the rock behind the talent, as they say. He's the only member of Depeche Mode that never had a writing credit. In 1989, there was a documentary about them, and he was quoted as saying, Martin's the songwriter, Alan's the good musician, Dave's the vocalist, and I bum around. Um, (laughs) But all I know is that, you know, I've seen Depeche Mode live. I've watched videos. He's there at the synth, and you know what Depeche Mode is? Mm -hmm. It's fucking synth. So... He's doing something. Yep. You know, bands like The Cure and Susie and the Banshees and Kraftwerk. Yeah, Andy Fletch, You Will Be Missed, one of my favorite bands. Real sucky. Jerry Lee Lewis died in October. Nickname, The Killer, because he played back in the day where there were circuits. There were six or seven groups that would go on one after another, and nobody would go on after him because he'd murdered the fucking stage. Great balls of fire. Yes. He grew up in Louisiana, uh, attending Southwest Bible Institute when during a recital, he played some patented Jerry Lee Lewis boogie and they expelled him immediately. Uh, And he... (laughs) The devil's music. And he went straight to the clubs and started playing. He was as rock and roll as it gets. And he'd just, he'd, he'd get up there, he'd murder... He'd get off stage. He'd kill himself. That was him. He disappeared justifiably. Uh, he married his 13-year-old cousin when he was 22. And nobody really listened to him anymore. Wow. Can't really blame him for that. Yeah. But prominent figure in music, Jerry Lee Lewis was one of the greatest to ever do it. I was hypnotized at the Western Idaho Fair. <laughs> and I was brought up on stage. And the guy got me to believe I was Jerry Lee Lewis. And I played the piano, which was a cardboard box, with my butt. Yes. Wow. Great. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> Vangelis. Evil and I already did an episode uh, where mm-hmm. we talked about Blade Runner. One of the best soundtracks that there's ever been. Scores, whatever you want to call it. He was born Evangelos Odysseus Papathanasu in the Greek town of Agria. So he was pretty Greek. Very he good. was self-taught, which wow. he did an okay <clears throat> job. Just listen, yeah. to, his, <laughs> you listen oh, to his music. He's fucking self-taught. He wrote the theme song to Chariots of Fire, which we'll play right now. And you will say, oh, yeah, we all know that. He was most associated with the synthesizer. The instrument uh, was also a source of frustration with him. He was quoted as saying, I've been using synthesizers for so many years but they've never been designed properly. They create a lot of problems. The computers have completely different logic than the human logic. So for his 2016 record, Rosetta was dedicated to the space probe, which was out at the same time. He built his own synthesizer for that. So go listen to that. This kind of just tells you a little bit of the, he was a, a musical eccentric. It's very difficult not to make music. It's as natural as I eat. As I make love, music is the same. <laughs> For me, as a huge synthwave guy, the opening theme to Blade Runner is mm-hmm. its top five synthwave songs of all time, if not number one. And I will end mine with someone who we're going to talk a lot more about. We're going to talk about next year. I'm going to talk a little bit more about later on in this episode, but Ronnie Spector. 
born Veronica Bennett. Grew up in Manhattan. Unfortunately, the most concentrated part of her life that gets talked about is her marriage slash kidnapping slash whatever you want to call it uh, by Phil Spector. We won't dwell on that here. She died of cancer. She was the Ronette of the Ronettes. The song Be My Baby, the 50 song Be My Baby, that was them. They were the first female group that went for the let's be sexy. Let's dress in tight dresses and look seductive. And it worked. Quote from Ronnie. We weren't afraid to be hot. That was our gimmick. When we saw the Shirelles walk on stage with their wide party dresses, we went in the opposite direction and squeezed our bodies into the tightest skirts we could find. Then we'd get on stage and hike them up to show our legs. We were popular. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave it at that. The only other person that I am going to mention that just passed away that we didn't really get to touch on is Christine McVie from Mm -hmm. Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. By far the most underrated member of Fleetwood Mac. Nobody talks about her, and she wrote, I'd say, like five of the ten best Fleetwood Mac songs. Mm. Extremely important. She helped write Rumors, one of the greatest albums of all time. That's really it. Yeah, Rachel. I'm going to start out with Olivia Newton-John. Olivia was born on 26th of September, 1948, and passed away on August 8th. She was born in Cambridge, England, and raised in Melbourne. She was a singer, an actress, and an activist for environmental and animal rights, as well as breast cancer research. Over her career, she won four Grammys, Record of the Year Grammy with um, I Honestly Love You and Physical. She had five number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as two number one albums on the Billboard 200. She is probably best known for starring in 1978's Grease alongside John Travolta. The movie produced one of the best-selling singles of all time, and everyone's favorite karaoke duet, Summer Nights. <laughs> she also starred in the cult classic 1980 film Xanadu. Yeah, she did. Over her decades-long career, she sold more than 100 million records, making her one of the best-selling artists of all time. Wow. Jesus. Through the later years of her life, John battled breast cancer three times, being diagnosed originally in 1992, Damn. and again in 2013 and 2017. I don't even think I even knew that she was a country singer before she got greased up. Greased mm-hmm. up. <laughs> As a very young kid, my first two like actress crushes were Aaron Gray, who played Colonel Deering on Buck Rogers, and <laughs> Olivia Newton-John from Xanadu. Nice. Yep. That's a good crush. Next up is Loretta Lynn. She was born on the 14th of April, 1932, and passed away on the 4th of October, 2022. She was born in Butcher Hollow, Kentucky. She was a country music singer and songwriter, three-time Grammy Award winner. She's the only current female winner of the ACM Artist of the Decade Award. She was the first female to be named Entertainer of the Year by the Country Music Association in 1972. Fun fact, she was actually born a coal miner's daughter. Mm -hmm. Her father was was battling black lung disease at the time of his death. In 1947, when she was 15, she met her husband, (laughs) Oliver Lynn, and married him the following January. When she was 21, her husband bought her a harmony guitar for $17. She taught herself how to play, and then she started her own band, Loretta and the Trailblazers, with her brother Jay. Her career went on to span over six decades, 
Lynn wrote more than 160 songs and released 60 albums. Whoa. She had 10 number one albums and 16 number one singles on the country charts. Lynn is the most awarded woman in country music history. Mm -hmm. In 1988, Lynn was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Way to go, Loretta. That's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. To live that long of a life to have that successful of a career and granted she seemed very clean cut Mm -hmm. but I did find a lot of like stressful stuff about her Mm. relationship with her husband but to live that long is just really impressive she did it it. last but not least artist Leon Ivey Jr. born the 1st of August 1963 passed away the 28th of September 2022 otherwise known as Coolio Mm-hmm. He was an American rapper. He started his career with with the rap group WC and the Mad Circle. He rose to fame in the mid to late 1990s with It Takes a Thief, Gangster's Paradise, and My Soul. Um, he's best known for his 1995 Grammy Award winning single Gangster's Paradise, as well as other singles, Fantastic Voyage. I was say, is Fantastic Voyage going to get any love? Yeah. Come on, man. That was before <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise. Um, and then See You When You Get There. From 1996 on, Coolio released albums independently. He provided the opening track, Ah, Here It Goes, <laughs> for the 1996 Nickelodeon television series, Keenan and Kel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, being that him and his children were asthma sufferers, he also became a spokesperson for the Asthma, asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Coolio was also the running mate for pornographic actress Sherry DeVille's Democratic presidential run in 2022. Almost. Almost. Coolio was found unresponsive on the 28th of September, 2022, at a friend's house in Los Angeles, California. He's pronounced dead on arrival by first responders. I was in Kosovo one day and I was handing out flyers for a concert outside the arena where he was performing. So although I didn't get to see him perform ever, I got to hear him sing Gangster's Paradise. And it was fabulous. It was an open air arena and I was just right outside it. It was so great. Coolio. Uh, Coolio. Those are our deaths. I just always think of him staring down Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Jesus H. Christ, let's get out of that. Turn this shit around. My goodness gracious. That was a tough one, but important. Let's get to we all picked a very important story music-wise to touch on. I will start this off. I am going to start a discussion if we want, or I can just talk about Ticketmaster slash Live Nation. And I know what everybody's thinking. I am going to start talking about the Taylor Swift debacle, which I will, but I'm going to concentrate a lot more on a different artist, maybe a couple. This doesn't start with T-Swift. This has been around forever. Everybody's talking about it now because Taylor Swift is involved, who's the biggest, one of the biggest artists ever. Ticketmaster is more than a monopoly. In America, when you control the market of anything over 75%, you are a monopoly. They control 81% of concert tickets. Mm -hmm. And that is not even counting their vertical integration. They have contracts with the venues. They have contracts Mm -hmm. with the artists. And they also sell the tickets. They also, it's not provable, but there are a lot of bots that the second that Ticketmaster has an opening artist, a shit ton of bots buy tickets and then sell them for... $5,000, $15,000. Pearl Jam took this on. This really pissed Pearl Jam off because Pearl Jam very a long time ago. Yeah. Because they actually do give a shit about their fans and they were refusing to let somebody charge their fans this much money. 
it did not go well for Pearl Jam. Nope. Ticketmaster owns every fucking stadium. Mm -hmm. So Pearl Jam had to move all of their shows to these outdoor stadiums and these smaller stadiums. And they had weather problems. As you would, you had issues at every mm -hmm. single venue. This is where I do kind of get angry with the super famous people. Because the only way that this insane monopoly that is just stealing money from people is if these Taylor Swift's, Bruce Springsteen, Adele get together and they all stop. They don't sign the contracts. They don't use those venues. And I get it. I get that, look, you're Taylor Swift. You have to have 50,000 people venues or you're not going to get to all your fans. But you know what? She's not already. They sent out fucking codes to people that are in her fan club so that they could get tickets and they weren't able to get tickets. That's, it just, it pisses me off. Bruce Springsteen, who claims to charge a little less. This I'm not going to bash on Taylor Swift at all. I don't, I don't like her response, but it is what it is. Bruce Springsteen, I'm sorry, Springsteen fans, but I have a problem with him. He claims, quoted by Springsteen, they charge a little less than other artists. I think he goes that route because he, he does his thing, or he's the good old Jersey boy. He's the working man's artist. <sighs> This is a quote from him. For the past 49 years or however long we've been out there, we've pretty much been under market value. It's been great for fans. But ticket buying has gotten very confusing for everyone. And the bottom line is most our tickets are totally affordable. They're in the affordable range. So I bit and I looked up Bruce Springsteen tickets. <laughs> I looked up tickets in Detroit, one of the poorest economies in America, where if you're working class, you should be able to go see fucking Bruce Springsteen. The tickets for him in Detroit start at $230. Oh, no. Before fees. Yikes. Yeah. Which are another amount yeah. I will get to. And oh that is God. for section 103, which is behind the stage. Awesome. So Bruce Springsteen will be facing away the from direction. you the entire time. So if two people, if a wife and a husband want to go see Bruce Springsteen in Detroit, that is after fees, $550.35. So... What the fuck are you talking about, Bruce Springsteen? Insane. The good news is, is thanks to the popularity of Taylor Swift, there is now officially in the works an antitrust law inquiry mm -hmm. brought to fruition by the government. We'll see what happens. Like I said, Pearl Jam tried. They failed. Taylor Swift is much more popular than Pearl Jam. So if she stays with it, that's great. I hope she does. Or not stays with it because she hasn't done anything. I hope that she plays a part in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel a lot differently about these costs. If for one second I thought that any of that money was going to the stage hands or to the people that actually work at the venue, but it's absolutely no. not. No. And fuck arena concerts now. Coming out of the venue industry, which I spent 17 years in. Fuck, why didn't you talk about that? <laughs> when there's an association, an international association of venue managers, IAVM. I remember being in conferences, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that like venues get together in a venue to talk about running their venues. And <laughs> one, there were several years, year after year after year, where one of the sessions that you could attend, there was always a Ticketmaster session. Okay. Venues have been trying to figure this out on their end for a long time as well. I don't think that they do enough. The easy answer is like, well, why do you use Ticketmaster? to sell tickets at your venue, you know, there's not a lot of other options unless you want to do it yourself. And the cost of running your own box office, yeah, it's insane. Nobody does it anymore. You don't have the infrastructure. I mean, your business should be providing the experience 
to the people that come to attend the event or the concert, right? You should be able to focus on having a nice, clean, spacious venue, mm-hmm. you know, everything being safe. Yeah. At what point do we stop doing that and we become a ticket company? I wish that there was a way the venues could play a bigger role. And I'm sure that they, they can do more than some of them are. But a lot of them are in these contracts. The only real solution besides artists just going on strike for a while, which that also sucks yeah. for people that love them. But the only real solution besides that is the government getting involved because it is literally a monopoly, mm-hmm. which it looks like it's going to happen. But, you know, let's not hold our breath. All right. Rachel, what is the important thing for you? My important news is titled... Olivia Rodrigo is a dirty thief. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. So after a bunch of youths on TikTok with too much time on their hands noticed a similarity between Rodrigo's Good For You and Paramore's Misery Business, Rodrigo had to retroactively add Josh Farrow and Haley Williams to the writing credits for Good For You. This is after she also added, (laughs) had to add Taylor Swift and her writing crew, to Deja Vu, another one of her songs, after the album was released. She did, before Sour was released, credit Taylor on One Step Forward, Three Steps Back, which is a lot cheaper if you just do it ahead of time. That's all I'm going to say. Righty said, while reps for Rodrigo decline requests for comment, a source close to the situation says... The credit is actually an interpolation, so I just said that, Um, which is essentially an element of a previously recorded song, re-recorded and incorporated into a new song, and that the two parties were in touch before Good For You was released, which is interesting because she got sued. How? Uh, Sorry, keep going. How do you get away (laughs) with just saying, oops, I copied your song. Let me add some writing credit. All good. Yeah. I'm sure there was lawyers involved in that. So one artist who could not give fewer fucks about the whole situation is Elvis Costello. Rodrigo was accused also of stealing a guitar riff from his 1978 song, Pump It Up. And using it on her single, Brutal. Yeah. Costello was quoted as saying, this is fine by me. It's how rock and roll works. You take the broken pieces of another thrill and make a brand new toy. That's what I did. See... Personally, I'm in the Costello camp. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never written anything that anyone wanted to steal. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be angry. Intellectual theft is real. It's theft. Yeah. There's so much argument in courtrooms about inspiration versus right. like plagiarism, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like being inspired by something versus, yeah, you just ripped it off. Yeah. And we're wasting so much time arguing about that shit. Just go make some music. Uh, Halsey, DJ Khalid, Benny Blanco. DJ Khalid. 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 Khaled um, and Ed Sheeran are all being sued for allegedly stealing the 2018 hit song East Side from the band American XO. Mm-hmm. Ed didn't sing on it. He did help write it. So that's important when you listen to it. Or did he? Or dump, did dump, he? Dump, dump. Um, the lawsuit was filed by Constantine Lois and Shane Williams, who claimed that East Side sounds eerily similar to the song they wrote in 2015 for Williams's band American XO titled Loveless. This is the fun part. They note that in an interview with Vibe, Benny Blanco once said that he listens to a dozen or so new artists daily in hopes of finding inspiration. <laughs> it's this practice that the duo believe led him into stumbling onto Loveless and they claim using it to create East Side. This one is ridiculous. This one I actually listened. To, I mean, I heard the Haley Williams, um, Olivia Rodrigo one. That one is copy pasty to I me. Think it is. This one is partially the same baseline that you can 
almost here in Loveless. It's very, very in the background. That's really heavy in East Side. That's what I have. What are your opinions on the Olivia Rodrigo stuff? Did you know that <laughs> Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. over the Ghostbusters theme? And one, because it sounds an awful lot like... new drugs. Exactly. It does. Oh, it, it totally does. does. He actually won in court. If it's so on the nose that it's pretty obvious, then, yeah. you know. But at the same time, there's probably a very fuzzy line between inspiration and theft. I think the problem that I have nowadays is there's this, we'll call it the Greta Van Fleet syndrome. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Led Zeppelin? I don't... Right, yeah, mm, yeah. Who's well, that? I've never heard... Yeah. Maybe. Like, it's I'm there, not inspired by If Robert Olivia Plant? Rodrigo would just come out and be like, yeah, <laughs> I was listening to a lot of fucking Paramore. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- yeah. But that doesn't happen and it yep. pisses me off. Yeah. That's fair. Hey Sven. Hey. The troglodyte. Do I do I want to talk about and no, I don't really want to talk about Joe Rogan, but I'm going to. <laughs> you know what? I had the hardest time figuring out who Joe Rogan was because I never watched Fear Factor. But did you watch news radio? Because that, oh, yeah. that show was oh. brilliant. Going back to research this news story, Joe Rogan is a person that I've discovered speaks his mind. He doesn't hold back. Okay, the story. Sorry, let me get no, there no, no, first. You're good. The, yeah. the 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 news story. Yeah, musicians strike Spotify. Joe Rogan on his show several episodes made statements and had guests on that made statements about COVID nineteen. Perhaps helped spread allegedly misinformation. misinformation. Like I had to go back through and try to listen because I'm like, what did he say? Yeah, and I don't think it's like any one specific. It's just in general that he had so many episodes that contradicted what health officials were saying. Mm-hmm. He tried to address it after the fact, did come out with a statement saying, you know, everyone gets shit wrong. I actually really liked his statement. Yeah. It was basically, I'm a fucking idiot. Why would you ever Don't listen, listen to me? Yeah, exactly. Don't get medical advice from me. But there's also an argument to that. It's the Fred Durst effect. He, he, it's, yeah. People are going to listen to you when you have that kind of a platform right. and that influence. The moral of the story really should be like, if you have that platform and you have that influence, you have to be a lot more careful than like the four of us sitting here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he has one of the biggest platforms ever. Right. Yep. There's a huge responsibility that comes with that. Now, in response to the misinformation, artists like Neil Young, Neil Young, Neil Young and uh, Joni, Mitchell Joni Mitchell started pulling their music. Spotify stocks, of course, drops. Joe apologizes with his Instagram video. India Iri put together a, a little compilation of Joe Rogan using the N-word on his show. And then once oh, she I released that, that. Oh. once she released that, I think Spotify kind of just had their hands tied at that point and they pulled 70 of his episodes. He's not a doctor. He has guests on his show. It's a show that's for entertainment. It was a way big deal over something that... I don't think needed to escalate to the level that it did. I actually like Joe Rogan. I don't listen to him anymore because I do think that he has started to really be one-sided on his guests. I feel like there has been a little bit of instigation for the sake of instigation. I also feel like a lot of people that have a problem with him never listen to him. So they don't actually know what was fucking said. Because Joe Rogan is not, he's a pretty even-killed, let's think about this sort of dude. But I think that's the biggest thing for me is you signed that millions and millions of dollars contract on Spotify. You agreed that you were going to talk to these millions of people. And if you actually do give a shit about society, you people can't... are going to take action based on yeah what you say. Let's never get that popular. Let's never. <laughs> Everyone, if you're listening right now, you listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah. Or you, you do yeah, or I you do, used I to. do less 
than I used to. I like the conversations that Lex Friedman has quite a bit more. I mean, it's a lot of overlap of, of different interests, jujitsu kettlebells. I mean, obviously, I'm going to, yeah. Meat. Would you go on Joe Rogan if you had a, a differing opinion with him? Me? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I know. Because it's going to get us followers. But, but think about But no, like, I know it, what you're saying. Like, though. the backlash for someone going on his show now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. but he's, he's, like, he's like, I want to talk to people with differing opinions. He has uh, become a little bit more aware that he needs to present both sides. Okay, let's just talk about Hitler for a second. You have Joe Rogan, and he's opposed to Hitler, and he brings Hitler on the show and fights with him. He's still giving Hitler an outlet to get a message out there, whether or not he's arguing with him. Mm. So it's cool that he wants to fight with people, but both people are still getting to preach mm. their message. Who gets to make that call, though? I think that's that's where I feel like it's it's a dangerous slippery slope if you don't let Hitler on your podcast. Thousand percent. Who gets to make that call and who gets to decide where the line gets drawn? My personal feeling, I wouldn't want to sit down and talk with chat the with Hitler. No, chat with old Adolf. Hundred percent. Or Kanye. No. <laughs> but evil, save us, God, please. I can't save any of you. You can't. But I I'll talk you. about the Stranger Things effect if you'd like me to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Stranger Things effect. What is that? David? No, it's not me. It's him. On the most recent season of Stranger Things, some music from the 80s was featured in the show. And as a result of it, like skyrocketed up the charts, Yeah, including one of my favorites, uh, Metallica's Master of Puppets, mm. which was played in one of the like culminating scenes. And also Kate Bush is running up that hill mm -hmm. from her album Hounds of Love from 1985 reached number one on the charts in 2022 because of Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. I enjoy seeing this music that was revered in its time and seen as classic, but didn't maybe receive the notoriety because of, I don't know, who knows the number of reasons. I mean, Master of Puppets was a huge metal album in the 80s, but most people didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Now a whole billions and millions of people heard Master of Puppets. I love this. This isn't the first time this has happened. Mm -hmm. I remember in 1992 when <laughs> Wayne's World came out <laughs> yeah. and Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody like took the world by storm. Yep. It's not a new thing. Right. I like seeing the these artists get a new wave of fandom. For Kate Bush, like seeing that song go to number one is amazing for her. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know monetarily how much it affects her, but... Probably a bit. I would say a bit. On Instagram, seeing fucking Kate Bush vinyl pics all the time. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Okay, I'm she's, sure. Doing, she's doing okay. Yeah. I think good for them. I think it's weird... It is. ...how mad people got over it. Yes. Weren't you one of the like people the that got mad over fans it? that yeah. got pissed off like, about, uh, like, well, I knew uh, them first back in... Right. Back. How yeah. dare you what like I my thing? What I got frustrated with is the people that were saying, hey, Metallica and Kate Bush, you better thank Stranger Things for making... Oh, oh yeah, those people can fuck off. It's like, dude, Master yeah. of Puppets wow. is fucking Master of Puppets. Yeah. The people that know, if you know, you know. Yeah. That was what frustrated me. And the fact that Placebo's version of running up that hill is better. No, but <laughs> I know someone who's not going to like hearing that. I know. Is that your neighbor? Yeah. I think it's nice that these songs are getting a resurgence and that the kids, the youths are getting to hear some Good older music. stuff too. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Bohemian Rhapsody when we were kids, right. that coming back was cool and that was fun. And then mm -hmm. I got to discover Queen and my parents were like, exactly. this is great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I can play the other side. I can be the devil's advocate and ask the question, is it exploitative on the end of the showrunners? Is this like member berries pulling on nostalgia strings to get views? I, I mean, I think Stranger Things is a terrible show, but people love it. People yeah. fucking love it. I think it sucks. Like I liked the first season. I mean, Winona Ryder, who doesn't yeah. love Winona Ryder, but I hate that show. Hmm. Have so, you watched the recent season? No. It's good. We live in a world where a ton of kids walk around in Nirvana t-shirts thinking that's a brand, not yeah. a right. band. Right. Yeah. You know, so I can see people making the argument that it exploits cultural appropriation of a time past. Maybe for Kate Bush, not for Metallica. No, not no, for Metallica give me my money Metallica is yeah, no, not that. No, no, no. If you're making like a period piece movie TV wise. Right. It's appropriate to have music from that time. It is, but we remember music from the past that wasn't necessarily the most popular music in those times. Yeah, true. Like, think of the night. 19- Let's talk about this year and what our favorites. Let's talk about that Holy right segue. now, actually. Yeah. That is a good segue, Miss Polio. Top 10 highest downloads albums on Spotify. I updated this about a week ago, so it will change. One album, I'm sure, is going to be number one in here very soon. So let's go through the top 10, and I'm going to quickly go through each of you. Do you know it? Do you like it? Have you heard it? Demons Protected by Angels, NAV, or NAV. Evil, do you know it? Do you like it? Nope. I don't. Negative. Me neither. Never heard it. Number nine, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick. We all we know all, it. Of course. Uh, we all love it. Actually, let's it was... win. That'll be talked about. Probably. Maybe. Oops. Who knows? Uh, 12 Carat Toothache by Post Malone. We did talk about it. I know it. I hate it. Evil? Post Malone's a guilty pleasure. Uh, <laughs> this one, too? Even with the Tremello? <laughs> no, the Tremello. Uh, uh, you, <laughs> God damn it. You're so right. <laughs> that vocal effect needs to die in a large fire. Sven, you are. so bad. That vocal effect is so Malone bad. You're Post Malone I like Post Malone. Do you I like mean, that post Did you like 12-hour, 12-carat toothache? Yes, I liked it. I, every album, I think, gets a little less interesting. Copy-paste. Rosalia's Moto Mommy. Um. Yes, we've <laughs> talked about it. We know it. All we like it. Ali Gaddy, Who Hurt You? The album Dharma by Sebastian Yatra. See, we suck. We are idiots. Album number four, already, Midnight's, the 3 a.m. edition by Taylor Swift. Who? Who's that? I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard of it. artist. She's fabulous. Oh, she's that one that charges so damn much for her fucking oh, concert tickets. that's not her <laughs> Number three, Dawn FM by The Weeknd. Mm. Um, we've talked about this on a quick fire. I hated it. I didn't mind it. I thought it was, yeah, I think I gave it a one thumbs up. I think you, you were pretty neutral, neutral. on it. Yeah, there's some good stuff. And Maybe some a little stuff more. I wasn't like into. You gave her but... the old spend. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sideways thumb in there. Yeah. Just get my thumb in there. It's there. It it's exists. There. so there. And I'm aware of it. I love The Weeknd as a vocalist. Weekend. That album was a great idea in theory, but I did not like the way it played out. Number two, Harry's House by Harry Styles. Evil, do you know it? Do you like I, it? I know what it is. Yeah. I wish I didn't. All right. Ooh, uh, house. I do like it. Rachel? Good job, Harry. Uh, know it and love it. <laughs> He's so handsome. He's so handsome. <laughs> uh, and number one, Un Verano Senti by Bad Bunny. Have you listened? Do you love mm, it? As, I don't know. I don't like it. I love it. Rachel It's really it. good. That was the top 10, and we have proven that we are, we're not very good. We're 50% okay. We're 50. F plus. 
Uh, let's take a break and let's get into some. Uh, let's just be right back, okay? Yo, this is Danny Nono with Big Eleanor Records, and my most enjoyed project this year is Wet Leg by Wet Leg. Wet Leg by Wet Leg is both fun and intentional. I've listened to Wet Leg by Wet Leg more than any other project released this year. So this is Danny Nono with Big Eleanor Records, and I highly recommend Wet Leg by Wet Leg. Thank you. We are back. You're back. Take it down a notch. It's quiz time. <gasps> Yay! Hey, hey, how'd you guys get toast? Your wife. <laughs> Your wife made toast. Mm-hmm. What's our most downloaded episode? The Irish one. Season one or two. Oh, The Wellerman. It's always The Wellerman. That's the what Wellerman. it was last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank what, you, Bobby. Thank you, TikTok. Uh, Thank you, TikTok. What, uh, this year. Uh, Lanigan? I, was it a Woodstock episode? Lanigan was number two. And I'm going to go with Woodstock. Jonathan Bates' interview was oh. number one. Ooh. Number three was The Killers, Here's Where You're Wrong. And number four was 1986. Nice. Sven, what was your favorite episode to research for this year? This one's tough. I have one thing written down, but then I changed my mind while I was upstairs. Wasting light. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) As soon as I realized, like, anyway, wasting light. Makes sense. (laughs) Rachel? So it was a tie between the Beatles, Mm -hmm. because there's so much information, and I love a good history lesson, and Alice in Chains, because Ooh. I love a depressing dark hole. And That's what she that said. Lane's, that Lane Staley, <laughs> man, that was a dark hole. Those awesome. Were, those were both really great. Two of my favorites. It's Kismet. Uh, Evil, what about you? Not even close. 1986 was the most <laughs> fun I have ever had researching for a podcast episode. I'm shocked. Mine was uh, Jen Batten. I just got very into her solo work, and it's fucking incredible. And then uh, Mark Lanigan. Mm-hmm. Mark Lanigan is just so fascinating. Reading great books and listening to great music over and over and Can over. Can I say something? I guess. No. Thank you for letting me talk about him. I, I'm surprised you didn't take that one oh. for yourself. I got to do it for two hours on, yeah, on a true. podcast oh, yeah, episode. Point. Yeah. <laughs> I think I even said in that podcast episode, I bet Evil actually has a closer musical relationship with Mark Lanigan than me. Like as far as his past and listening to him mm-hmm. growing up and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> hey, right back to you, Evil. What was your worst take this year? I know we talked about the end of this. I don't know if we talked about the beginning of this. Muse teased their new album on Instagram. It was from the heaviest song on the album. And I'm like, oh my God. In a car with his kids. Yes. And they're just fucking rocking. I'm like, this could be album of the year. Yeah. It wasn't. (laughs) It really wasn't. So I, I don't know if that's a bad take or if I just got duped or both. I have a proposal. Much like we do the year in review, revisit. Revisit and revise. I think we should somehow pick albums from quick fires and do that in the future because oh. we don't. Oh, that's yes. a really good idea. Yeah, because some of those albums I listen to once and then I just don't have time to get back to. And we yes. do so many of them. And often there's just really good stuff in there. Very frequently, the line, I need more time with this, is yep. said yep. in yeah. quick fire yep. reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do it. Sven, what was your worst take this year? And are there any topics we touched on that oh, you want to revisit? Well, I never, ever want to have to talk about Woodstock 99 again. <laughs> or I didn't feel like I worded 
my points very well. Same. Especially the, when we got really down into the rabbit hole of the darker, bad stuff. Darker stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Rachel, do you? what's your worst take this year, and are there any topics that you want to revisit? Um, I also put down hitting the Woodstocks again. Mm. I feel like you always talk about blowing your load too I early. I talk about that a lot. Hey-o. <laughs> and I feel like doing all of the Woodstocks in one year was a big load for us to blow all together. Hmm. Interesting. And so if we could hit it from a different angle or dig a little said. deeper that's, that's what she said. into it. <laughs> so many says. So many. I also think Janet, we could get in, into more into Janet and maybe from a less dark place, I don't know, or from a different angle. As far as worst takes this year, I would like to formally apologize to every Peter Gabriel fan uh, <laughs> that has listened to this podcast. Just because something is not my jam doesn't mean that I should speak so poorly. Um, I apologize to Peter Gabriel and all of yeah. all of his fans. I think um, it's funny. Also, the oh my gosh, he's the fucking worst. Okay. Um, also, <laughs> oh, my God. oh, sorry, was this still on? Uh, just kidding. Cheap trick. I feel like maybe I was a little harsh on cheap you trick. A little rough on our poor boy Tony there. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to again formally apologize to Tony. You might have been rougher on Cheap Trick than you were Peter Gabriel. Oh, actually. I definitely was rougher on Cheap Trick yeah. than I was on Peter Gabriel. He's a He's world not leader. As fragile as um, Cheap Trick, on the other hand. That's it. All right. Peter Gabriel, Cheap Trick. Sorry, sorry. My worst takes this year, I had two. Actually, one of my worst takes was the finale of last year. One of my WTFs was that I needed a Dave Grohl break because there was so much Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. In 2021. The 2022 Dave Grohl was fucking amazing. Yep. Dream Widow. Mm-hmm. What's the fucking movie called? Six six six. Six six six. Studio six six six. His episode of Hot Ones. Yeah. <laughs> Announcing your plans is a good way to hear God laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did. I did not need a girl break. And then my other worst take happened very recently in the What Did We Miss This Year. It was my take on the interrupters. Oh. And. I was very ineloquent in my, what I did is I kind of complained about her lyrics being, there was an outlook of her lyrics on, I'm a little kid and I need to get out of my hometown to go make something of myself, which I still think is, is silly to be saying about from a 42 year old. But what I did not know was her past. I didn't know the roughness that she had as a child. And she was seeing from a perspective of herself as a young person. That was a terrible take. And I stand by the silliness of that style of lyrics being sung by a very adult band. It absolutely makes sense once you know her story. Mm -hmm. And then the one thing that I want to revisit from the year that I actually, I want to hear a little more about is from Svend. His take on now not really liking vinyl. Mm. I don't at all disagree. I'm just a little bit fascinated yeah, by that's... it because you are, you seem like such a vinyl guy. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like vinyl. I still love vinyl and I still have vinyl. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't go out and like dump my whole collection. I'm not crazy. Well, that would be silly. I think I just am in a stage in life where I'm really aware of how privileged I am compared to like 90. Eight percent of the rest of the world vinyl seems like a very privileged way to experience music so it's not so much that i don't like it i like the format i no longer purchase new vinyl there's definitely some records i really really want i almost uh, got you medicine at midnight <laughs> and yeah, brought it here. I, I totally want to replace that 
I haven't. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to not buy vinyl. And I think that exercise, it's helping me learn. Be a monkey. Okay. Be society. <laughs> Be a monkey. Be society. Be a monkey. There's a phenomenon going on in vinyl collection right now. Yeah. I want to separate the phenomena from the medium because the medium is one thing. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the early mid nineties comic book industry with alternate covers yes. and, and inflated prices because it's like this manic boom. And I'm like, I see the bubble about ready to explode yep. and it's all going to go away. Yep. For artists who rely on that as their income, like, yeah, I'm seriously pissed off. I had to wait until next year for the new Unearth album because the fucking vinyl pressing, it's been in the can forever. You can blame uh, Rachel's favorite uh, artist for that. Sorry. And her four different <laughs> editions of Midnight's. It was two. It was four. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> I see. Uh, Taylor Swift is the Adele of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I see rough waters ahead for the vinyl industry. That's why I fucking love Jack White who started his own record pressing business yeah. and has his own record store at his record press. It says- It's like farm to table, but for music. Farm to table, vinyl. <laughs> right? I went there this year. It was fucking amazing. Where didn't it's like you go? plastic to ears. Loved it. But good job, Jack vinyl. White. That's awesome. Evil, what, do you have any favorite takes of any of your co-hosts I do. Year? It is the slow motion train wreck. That is your, Rachel, evolution into becoming a heavy metal fan. A Yay! legitimate heavy metal fan. I'll get there. Started with Dream Widow. Thank mm. you, Dave Grohl. Yeah, so good. Good job, Continued Dave. with System of a Down. True. Which, like, your take on that album, I was just like, I don't even know where we what are is anymore. Up? But the one that you were so easy on, the Halo effect. You yeah. actually mm. enjoyed the music from that album. I, I get You the liked it more than me. Yeah. 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 The dark side is not far away. We're just away. melding into the same person. You're so close. You just have to give in to your hate and anger. And <laughs> yeah. I'll go next. Speaking in direct contradiction to all of you, or no, two of you, I re-listened to a lot of the episodes uh, just to try to get some ideas for the finale and I'm a psycho and whatever. I thought everyone's, every single person's Woodstock coverage was fucking amazing. Like I was listening to a small part of 99 to try to find something specific. And I was like, this is pretty good. And I ended up listening to all three of them. I think that in terms of cohesive podcast episodes that are built and are actually saying something, those are something to be extremely proud of. If a big podcast company comes to us and is like, all right, we'll give you a couple episodes of what should we listen to? I would tell them our Woodstock coverage. Every single person did amazing shit on all three of those episodes. My favorite take was your worst. Yay us. Rachel. My favorite take was everyone appreciating Willow Smith. So kind of on, in the same vein of of evil liking that I'm becoming a metalhead, I appreciated how much Don't get too at it. Everybody yeah. <laughs> Everybody was so I mean Sven Sven, but you I guess David and <laughs> Evil a little bit more about being so kind about Willow Smith. That's good. That album is a conundrum. <laughs> um Sven, do you have any favorite takes? I do agree with you with 1969 Woodstock is one of my favorite episodes to tell people to listen to top five nouns top five <laughs> albums artists songs whatever that you found through the podcast this year they don't have to be from 2022 in fact it probably works better if they aren't but they can be Sven Sven what did you find through the pod this year there's this gentleman named Amos Lee yeah 
and he has a live at Red Rocks. Album. Did you know that's on? Oh. Do you know that that's one? That's one oh, of the ones. Oh, it's on vinyl now. That you is can't one buy of it. exactly. That is. <laughs> That is one of the ones. So Annie Clements, she played that concert. I mean, not only is it, yeah, it's Amos Lee, but then like Annie's my new it. favorite bass player. So yeah, that that's my one. You only have one? I only have one, I'm sorry. Oh, what a cheating. <laughs> well, I, uh, Rachel, I, yeah. speaking of cheating, I have seven. Oh, so it balances out. There we go. <laughs> Number one out of seven, Alice and Chains. They're all right. I think because you love them so much, I wanted to avoid them because I didn't want to make you happy. <laughs> that checks out. But <laughs> goddamn, if they aren't just the most talented group of gentlemen. Uh, second was Juice World, which I had not oh. really heard of. Yeah, but through your, me neither. Your Juice World episode. CeeLo Green, who I had heard some hits of, but didn't really understand how talented he was. Yeah. He's that's a piece a good... of shit, though, isn't he? I can't talk I, about him. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, the Beatles, number four. They're all right. You and found the Beatles in mm, 2022. I found I the Beatles a little bit. Lost. A little bit more. <laughs> um, and through the Beatles, uh, yeah, the Donnays, who they yeah. had oh. covered one of their. Yeah. This one's for Evil, System of the Down. Ooh. Love them. And finally, Alt J. You. Oh, that's right. I had never that's heard of them. Fire. Wow. Yeah. No, we. I gave her Relaxer, which uh, is an earlier album, mm-hmm. which is. I didn't like so the one on the, the Quick Fire yeah. so much. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that album. You're a smart lady, Rachel. My number five, Ronnie Spector. Like I said, oh, I yeah. am going to be talking about her awesome. again next year. Her story, what she did, her talent. Oh my God. She's amazing. My number four is the album Tribal Rage by Jennifer Batten. Mm. Um, if you are any sort of guitar lover, you need to listen to Tribal Rage. Unfortunately, it's not well known. It doesn't get bought. You can buy a CD of it on her website. Fucking super cheap. I, God, that album's amazing. Uh, number three, Amy Winehouse. Mm. I always respected Amy Winehouse, but I never gave her much of a chance. And I didn't really know her story. And this year I listened to all her shit, talked about her a ton. Wow, she was just such a fucking inexplicable talent. My number two, and this came from 2005, Year Dissection, I think. Anthony and the Johnsons. The album is I Am a Bird Now. If you've never heard it, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this have... He is, it's just something else. It's so unbelievably beautiful. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to the first song. I think it's called Hope There's Someone. It will just blow your fucking mind. And my number one, which we've talked about about a lot this year, it's going to see a little YouTube time next year, is The Far Side, Bizarre Ride 2. That's one of the best hip-hop albums I've ever heard. I can't believe that I had never fucking heard it until this year. That is my number one. Mm. Evil Schmeevil Knievel. Coming in at number five from our 1992 episode, an album from a grunge era band that didn't quite make it. The album Flipped Out in Singapore by the Chainsaw Kittens. Oh, yeah. If you love music from that era and you've never heard this, listen to it. It's total nostalgia fodder. Nothing and a great like, name. Yeah, and a great name. <laughs> my number four. Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. hey Also from 92. I agree with you. That is a fucking amazing hip-hop album. It's so good. It's it's very, very, very good. Guys, it's so good. Yeah. And and that was in a year where there was some 
serious hip hop contenders. Uh-huh. Number three, Weezer's Pinkerton. From, oh shit. Yeah. I was familiar with El Scorcho. I don't think I'd ever listened to the entire album. That was maybe one of my favorite album swaps. Really? Yeah. Why do I feel like you didn't like that? No, it grew on you. Yeah, it grew it on me. Gr- my first yeah. listen, I'm like, uh, but then it grew on me because reading like the story, the little like nods in the story, it's genius. Number two isn't really a discovery. It's more of a rediscovery. And that is System of a Down mm. and Mesmerize yeah. as an album. I did not realize how much I knew that album and how fucking amazing it is. Yeah. Radio, video, Cigarro, the whole thing. You love Cigarro. I love Cigarro so much. <laughs> I'm so glad we did that because I probably would have written that band off long term. My number one is I knew who he was but I didn't know in depth. And it is from our Peter Gabriel So episode, and that's discovering Tony Levin. Oh my God, yes. And diving into him as an artist and his catalog, his work, King Crimson, his innovation with his funk fingers, Chapman stick, and... One of the coolest guys I've ever like listened to talk about music. That's such a good one. It should have been mine. Uh, and I'm, I look forward to listening to more Tony Levin in the future. Guys, I got one more quiz for you, and then we're done for the uh, episode. On to part two. There were three 10 out of 10s given this year. Ooh. Do you know what they were? Alice in Chains? Alice in Chains is one of them. Dirt. I think you guys should all have to drink because Cake? we just talked about both of them. <laughs> Cake? We just talked about both of the other ones. Evil literally... Was it Mesmerize? Yes. Okay. And then... I'm getting all of them. And then who did he talk about right after Mesmerize? Evil. So. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long couple days, everybody. We're tired. slow on the uptake right now. Yeah. Peter Gabriel, So, Alice in Chains, Dirt, and System of Downs, Mesmerize were our only... Who gave So a tent? I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's part one of the finale everybody join us in a couple days you'll find out about our favorites we're gonna go uh reload yeah <laughs> load no sorry that was good Ooh. good night and good luck oh, I, oh.